Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you again for joining us on another edition of the Orange Weekly Pre-Game Podcast, hosted by Matt and Jared. It's been quite a tough week to swallow after a loss to a San Francisco 49ers team who even after beating us still has the first overall pick in the draft if the season ended today. However, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what the future holds for our Denver Broncos, our Denver Bronco coaching staff, and what's going to happen in this upcoming game against a very hot and upcoming team in the Cleveland Browns. So sit back, relax, crack open a beer, and enjoy as we get you prepared for a Saturday night game against Cleveland. Welcome back, Broncos country. As always, we are here each and every week, even when you lose to a team who is destined to get the first overall pick because they're that bad, even after beating us. But nonetheless, we're still here for the Broncos. We're still here to root them through thick and thin. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Jared, here on the Orange Weekly pregame podcast, joined by my good friend and the greatest co-host in podcast history, Matt. My goodness. Uh, Matt, how are you feeling after such a terribly disappointing loss against a terribly disappointing team? Well, you know, I'm pretty disappointed about it. Um, but uh, I, I think I'm feeling a little bit better than you, man. You're sounding pretty morbid. This seems like a really, uh, it's been a hard hit to your ego, eh? Yeah, this one was this one was a little tougher than uh, last lo- past losses. I'm, I gotta admit, I... Uh, I obviously didn't see this coming, and I don't think a lot of people did. No, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I, it was just an, it's just one of those things, and and seeing all the stuff about uh, Kyle Shanahan too, and obviously he's not having a great season over there. But you know, it was it was a way for Elway and the team to to make a statement, and they did the opposite. They kind of just felt like they didn't show up, and I, I don't know what happened. And obviously, I won't I won't get too far into it, but. Um, if you want to listen to more of that, make sure you guys tune into Tanner and Jeff's show, the post-game podcast, which is also available here on Orange Weekly. Uh, make sure you guys tune into them. Uh, we will talk a little bit about what we felt about that last game, but before we get into that, let's talk about this upcoming game, which is the Cleveland Browns versus our Denver Broncos. This game is taking place on a Saturday. Obviously, it's new for most of uh, most NFL watchers to watch games on a Saturday, but what, what do you feel about... Roger Goodell deciding that he's going to open up viewership to Saturdays now that the college football season is over. 
Uh, I think it's purely a business move. Um, to be honest, I think that it's a it's a way that the NFL is trying to combat their loss of viewership over the last little while, over the past couple of years, and that we can really you know attest to the fact that there's been so many political and sort of social scandals and issues that come out of the NFL. So you know we, we won't get into that, but since they're losing a lot of viewerships, you know what I think is because of those reasons. Um, I think that they don't have a choice but to make these sort of business moves to to get the viewership, to satisfy the broadcasters, to satisfy the sponsors, and to to get the NFL you know more out there, more accessible to the viewing public too. Because if it's always only on Sunday, you know it's it's great because it, people just book off their days for that. But at the same time, it's a lot of people kind of see it as I have to lose a day in, in order to watch football, whereas. Now, you know, with a Saturday offering or maybe a Thursday offering that we always see now, it's it's like just trying to spread the spread it out a little bit more. But I think it's a business move and it's just Goodell trying to satisfy the broadcasters and sponsors. Right. Oh, and it is a business move. I agree with you there. But let me play a little bit devil's advocate. Is it not great for the viewers as well? I mean, obviously, we're not trying to book off time to watch it. But for those of us that have normal weekends, it's great to be able to see NFL games all weekend like i don't have yeah. to worry about waiting till sunday to watch my games absolutely you know there there's that way to look at it is fantastic because i'm on because i'm on your side with that in the, in the sense that there's a saturday saturday night game like fantastic i'm gonna watch it you know um but here in canada oddly enough it's you know there's a lot of uh, hockey you know saturday night hockey this is oh, like yeah. a cultural thing right so for us it's like a saturday night game it's yeah we're not gonna watch it you know, it's it's pretty pretty fair to say. Like, I'm not a hockey fan, like I, I never was, but for the vast majority of sports fans in Canada, Saturday night is for something else. Um, you know, so for me, I may or may not watch a Saturday Saturday game. For this one, of course, I'm going to watch it. Broncos and Browns. I think uh, Browns are a really really cool team right now. Um, but overall. You know, I still think it's like a business move, you know, and for the traditionalist in yeah. me, the one who kind of really likes the the fact that football is on like a Sunday and a Monday night, you know, I'm not even a big fan of the Thursday night game. I sort of like it having one night a right. week. Um, that side of me, I'm a little disappointed. But overall, I, you know, I see why they're doing it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the Thursday night game is definitely a publicity stunt, 100%. Oh, it it's is. A- and look look at the outcomes of these games. It's always a blow off from one side of, you know, the, probably the home yeah. team. And there's a lot of injuries and there's a lot of just kind of mediocre games that happen. A lot of teams just seem to want to get through it as fast as possible. Um, And I think it's just, you know, we're kind of sacrificing the quality of the game for the quantity of the game, which, you know, like football is not basketball. It's not hockey. It's not baseball where we can just have, you know, games all through the week and you can, you know, play one day, take a day off, play the next day. Like, you know, these are the sort of schedules we see in other sports, but football is such that we play once a week because it takes a long time to prepare for a game. It takes a long time to recover from a game too. You know, so when you have to prepare for the following week and recover from your previous week, because, you know, a game of football, it's, I mean, you and I have both played and it's, it's ruthless on your body. It's tough, right? And these right. pro athletes go through so much more torment than you and I have ever gone through. So for them to have to all of a sudden change the routine, you know, one week we have, we've got to prepare for Thursday night, the next week it's Sunday night. Now there's a Saturday, Saturday night involved. And then sometimes there's a Monday night, you know, it, it gets really, it, it breaks routines and training habits. And, and that's really dangerous for a lot of these pro athletes that have put so much strain on their body. So, you know, I, I see it many different ways, but. Yeah, and for the planning aspect of that too, it, it makes it even more difficult because yeah. now you have you have these short weeks where you can only pl- game plan for someone for two to three days as opposed to game planning for someone for an entire week. And 
you know, obviously the day before is a walkthrough because you want to save everybody, keep their energy up for the following day. So really you get on these Thursday games, Wednesday is a walkthrough. You get what Monday, Tuesday is a full practice. Well, usually you get like your Mondays off, right? Say play on Sunday, you get Monday off. Tuesday is sort of like a film review day. Wednesday is your, you know, practice day. Thursday is a bit of a practice day. Friday, Saturday, it's walkthroughs and rest and and meetings. And you know what I mean? These players are finally in travel and there's a lot of things that come into it. So now all of a sudden you have a game on Saturday. Broncos played on Sunday, right? So you've got one less game to prepare for. So now Monday is not a day off. You have to sacrifice your day off so that Tuesday you can start watching film on the Browns, right? But what happens between Monday at the end of a Sunday at the end of the game and Monday morning when you start preparing for the other team is you have to get over your loss. And that's hard. Like this loss to the 49ers was just like punch in the face like it was you know no the three game win streak against the Steelers against the Chargers and the mediocre Bengals you know we we put up 24 on the Bengals but we can only put a 14 on the 49ers you know that's hard to come over from so now you got to get over that prepare for the next week earlier and then you know your whole rest schedule you've got a it's a mess it's a nightmare so now these players are playing you know, in the hopes that they'll, they'll perform well, as well as they can, but they have to change their routine, you know, and, and the, the positive side is they're going to have a lot more time off after because they play Monday night against the Raiders on uh, December 24th. So, you know, they'll have a bit more time to recover afterwards, but to get there, is, it's a grind and the Browns are not a pushover team anymore. So no, you have to take this game seriously. Yeah, no, and and you really do have to take this Browns team seriously, and and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, we talk about the practice schedule and the short week and stuff. It looks like uh, according to Nikki, and I'm gonna butcher her name, but she's with the Athletic. The uh, uh, her name is Nikki Javala. If you guys don't follow her, make sure she's got a bunch of great uh, stuff with the Athletic, and she's always putting out good information. But today was a Broncos walkthrough. Yeah, um, it was a walkthrough day for the Broncos. So the way that they're doing their their training for this short week is a little bit. A little bit different than normal, but obviously we're dealing with a lot of injuries and stuff going into it. But before we get into the injury talk, before we get into any of that, let's talk about this upcoming game on Saturday against the Cleveland Browns. And and as a general, let's just talk general right now. The Cleveland Browns, former laughing stock of the NFL, is now pushing to win a what seems like pretty awful division, which has Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore, and Cleveland in it, and they're they have a chance to get into the playoffs if everything falls, if all the cards fall in their in their order. So not only is this a, a must win for us, this is a must win for them too, which makes for good TV. Oh yeah, and and it makes for a really really happy fan base too. Like you know, this game I think is going to be tuned in from everywhere in the in the country because the Browns are the ultimate Cinderella story right now. They are the underdog right. that just seems to have this grip right now. Finally, they have something going on. So finally, they can get to 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 that playoff appearance that they've not had since Derek Anderson was their quarterback. Okay. Which was a long time ago. Back. John, 85 quarterbacks ago. Yeah, dude, that was, you know, I don't, I was, I was in high school. That was so long ago. Okay. It was, it was, yeah. you know, just the Browns need this really. So they're clawing their way through this and they've got the Broncos, the Bengals and the Ravens next. The Ravens, I think are going to be the team to knock them out of the playoffs Bengals are winnable, and now with the Broncos, like after this injury to Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris going down, it's a completely different team, it seems. Over last week's podcast, we were talking about how you know how good this offense was, and they finally had their identity, and with Philip Lindsay going in, but you know, I, I sort of never took into consideration the fact that losing Emmanuel Sanders is, you know, I mean, that guy was still the identity of the offense. He was still the primary target for the ball, receiving or running. So it's 
that's a hard blow, right? So the Browns are really motivated here. This is going to be a very competitive game from their side. Yeah, and and our our side obviously too. I mean, being so beat up and losing our entire—I mean, we lost our entire identity. We do not have the same offense that we oh, did no. last year. Um, from the injuries to the offensive line to trading away Demarius Thomas to losing Emmanuel Sanders, we don't have almost anybody. All of our receivers are rookies or second-year guys who didn't get any playing time last year. Our running backs are rookie. Yeah. Both of our running backs are rookies. Our quarterback we just traded in the offseason. You know, our our star center that we've had for a few years is out. Like, we don't have the same team that we did, and they're basically starting from scratch at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they've they've played a little bit together over the the course of the season, but with all the injuries and everything that's going on, and on top of that, the defense is the same way. You know, we got rid of a couple guys in the off season. We got rid of Akeem Talib, obviously. Um, Chris Harris goes down, and now. While we're talking about it, I'm just going to go ahead and get into this injury talk because, you know, I like to talk about how, how difficult it's been for us. Um, Isaac Yadam, who is our rookie cornerback, uh, he was our, our number two corner over Bradley Roby was on one side and Yadam was on the other. He's out right now. He didn't he didn't practice because he has an uh, issue with his shoulder. Uh, I think it, it was separated shoulder, which could come back next week, but doubtful. Um, Derek Wolf on that defensive end side, he got a concussion. They're still waiting, going through concussion protocol with him, so he didn't practice. Our our rookie wide wide receiver that we are you know okay with trading a, a Demarius Thomas because we have this young rookie in Cortland Sutton. He's out with a quadriceps issue right now. He didn't practice. Um, Shaquille Barrett, he has a hip issue. He didn't practice. Man, our team is beat mm. up, Mm-mm. and. And it's so difficult to play good football when everybody that I, I mean, I'm, I'm not naming players that are like third string guys, man. These guys are all people that have been playmakers for us in the past couple of weeks. And it shows, it shows on that game. And they, they were, they look like they were walking through that day. Like I, I told you they had a walkthrough in practice. And I think some of my favorite, uh, my favorite comments on some of those were, Oh, just like we did Sunday. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it just looked like they, they had no motivation going through Sunday and it, you could just tell that they were Oh, they yeah. were sad for their teammates. They were disappointed in themselves. They just didn't feel like continuing on. And it's just that the, the atmosphere and the identity is just not there. Yeah. It's not there. And it's so frustrating to watch. It really is. It just seems like we're, you know, we're just, you know, riding the rest of the season out. You know, to me, it's just like, okay, we've got to go through three more games of this. You know, it's right. It's it, it's hard to really evaluate where, where the direction the team's going to go. You know, for all we know, we're going to come out and just bring it to the Browns and, and, have this great game right we, we don't know it's so hard to predict you know so last week i was just so convinced the broncos are going to come and just roll over the 49ers you know all the signs oh, are yeah. pouring to that and now it's like i like i don't even want to go back to the drawing board because i think that drawing board is flawed man like we're you know it's there's just something really so unpredictable with these broncos so i don't know what's going to happen but- and on that point too, and, and this is something that that we've only gotten to see, you know, part of only getting up to the collegiate level. But um, there, when you have a team that is so inconsistent week to week, when you have a team that can play lights out one week against a great team, we can play great against Pittsburgh Steelers, who we can play great against the L.A. Chargers, who are both playoff bound football teams, and then we come out and lose to a two and ten San Francisco team the way that we did. It is more than the game plan. It is more than the players. It is something in that locker room. Yeah. There is something going on yeah. that they're not motivated. They're not getting the motivation. They're not getting the the play calls. They don't like something. There's something, there's a disconnect in there. And I don't want to, obviously I'm not here to say, 
one thing or another. I'm not here to tell you what it is because obviously I'm not in that locker room, but there is something going on in that locker room, and it's something that you saw with the Cleveland Browns last year and at the beginning of this year with Hugh Jackson is there's something going on in that locker room, whether it was a coach issue, whether it was another player yeah. that's that's disrupting stuff. There's some There was something going on, and obviously when that, when that ended up getting fixed out, they're starting to play together again. They're starting to get that motivation again. So I don't know what it is. I'm not in that locker room, but that's, that's my feeling. I, you don't play this inconsistent without having an issue back there. hundred percent agree. Um, I mean, we've talked about it extensively this year over, uh, you know, many of our episodes and, and to me it comes down to this, you know, the, uh, the face of the leadership, we'll say the boss of the team, right? Whether it's John Elway, whether it's Vance Joseph, you know, maybe it's someone we never heard about. I don't know. But to me, it just seems that there's a lack of leadership in this locker room. It seems that players are, are, are thinking about different things. They're, they're going in different directions. There's just something, like you said, fundamentally, that's just not not there to motivate these players to perform at their best. And, you know, to me, it's leadership. It, it, it has to be the people leaving, leading this group of men. Because I think there's a lot of really good coaches in the NFL that are overachieving. You know what I mean? We <clears throat> look at what's happening with the Browns ever since Hugh Jackson left. You know, they've been just playing really, really well. And they're at five and seven right. and one. You know, like after this guy left, they they, they won how many games now? Like, uh, you know, when did they leave? Three or four. Three, right. So it's like, you know, you change the leadership. You get rid of, of that 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 source of, of, of whatever's going on and a team can turn around. These are professional athletes that are in their prime for most of them. You know, and they have to right. just be led the proper way. So I think that's really where it kind of comes down to. It's got to be that leadership. I think it's a lot easier to change a coaching staff than it is to change a, a, a roster as well in a locker room. Oh, yeah. So I think that, you know, given this outcome and, and depending on what happens the next couple of games, I think we're going to see a change in leadership finally. I think so too. And then uh, we can get into that too. The, the coaching staff is – disappointing and they've been disappointing all week and there's some questionable calls in that last game I don't want to get too much into it again go listen to Tanner and Jeff's podcast but um, it's been a huge debate on the Orange Weekly staff and we have a uh, we have a Twitter poll and I'm pretty sure a Facebook poll out there so make sure you guys go check these out but um, if Vance Joseph goes 8-8 eight and, eight, and, and for the record on this Facebook poll and Twitter poll this was made before this last game so David um, David put out this this uh, concept to the rest of the Orange Weekly staff. He said, hey, if Vance Joseph goes 8-8 eight eight with all these injuries that we've had, I think he keeps his job. 8-8 eight eight or better. And there was a lot of us that were like, no way. Hmm. There's no way going through this. And I think I think the San Francisco game took the nail yeah. and put it in the coffin. It oh, was yeah. the last nail he needed for the coffin. And all John Elway is waiting for is either the end of the season or us to be mathematically eliminated. Because we're still not mathematically eliminated. Still like our chances are like – five percent well i mean but we're still yeah. not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs but i mean we have to beat out like we have as if we're on the, on the team the broncos have to beat out because they're not going to be you know they're not winning the division and the Chargers have pretty much secured one wild, wild card spot like they're they're looking real right. good so you know essentially you're competing with the steelers the ravens the browns the colts the titans and uh, the dolphins to go to the playoffs you know, that's yep. a lot of different outcomes that need to happen in order for the Broncos to make it. So, it, you know, I think personally, uh, John Elway isn't the type of guy to just fire someone in the middle of the season. I think he's going to wait for Black yep. Monday, first Monday after yep. the end of the season, to make that call. Um, but then again, I mean, 
you know, so you get blown up by the, the Browns. Maybe he decides that's enough and he just cuts the head off the snake, you know, and, and just ends it there. Um, yeah. It, yeah, to be seen. Yeah, but the, and the problem is too is that these guys are going to practice and, and hanging out at practice like they've already lost their head coach. Yeah, like it's just the motivation's not exactly. there. Exactly. The, the, it's like, why should we not, listen to you, like, man? And even even if you listen to Vance Joseph in his press conferences after this pra- this practice this week um, on Monday, he had a press conference and it was kind of like uh, he just wasn't he wasn't motivated. He wasn't excited like he normally is. Like you could tell, he feels like his job's gone, and he's now he's just going through the motions to make it through the end of the season. Now we don't want to watch a football team who's just here to make it to the end of the season. Yeah, we want to watch a football team who's here to compete. Yeah, like that's that's our that's uh, as a fan. I mean, that's all we want to see. So every week. Yeah, so so go to that Facebook poll, guys. Uh, go check out that Facebook poll. If we go eight and eight with all these injuries, um, don't you know? Obviously, with what the, me and Matt have our own opinions, but go make your opinion uh, clear. Uh, if we go eight and eight or better, does Vance Joseph keep his job at the end of the season? All right, we've ranted enough. I think we can go on and talk what we're good at. Let's talk about the X's nose of this football game coming up on Saturday. We have Baker Mayfield and the dynamic rookie pairing of Nick Chubb. Uh, how, do, how do you see this offense playing so far this year? I mean, I, I watch him sometimes. I'm like, I can't believe this is the same Browns offense that we've had um, just because we changed two rookies. I mean, they're they're playing very, very well. To be honest, I'm, I'm blown away just like you. Like, this this is not the Cleveland Browns of old. You know, in the past, right. like, you know, I don't know how many, how many years they've gone. have been just so bad. Like, the quarterbacks they selected just never panned out. But they've also never had somebody like Baker Mayfield. Like, this guy is different. The, the the charisma he gives off, the way people believe in him is different. It's something that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, this first game against the Jets way early on in the season, they were losing, I think, 14 nothing at, at one point until uh, Tyra Taylor went down with an injury. And he came back and he won 21-17 with a great comeback. Like this guy was just lights out. He he had momentum. He was resilient. Like he was making these great passes. It was just amazing to watch, right? And then the week after he goes out and puts up 42 points. When's the last time the Browns put up 42 points? You know, it's insane. And then the week after that, he grinds out a win against the Ravens, who are considered the top defense in the league, right? And to win 12 to 9, just enough to win a game. And then since then, you know, they succumbed to some other big losses. The Chargers, they got blown out. The the Bucks, they it was a tight one they lost in overtime. Uh, the Steelers, they got blown out the second time playing, but they tied them the first time, which is also, you know, really cool. But another thing with the Browns is they've had one, two, three, four overtime games this year. That's insane. Yeah. They've been, like, on the cusp of winning four games, which I think they should have won those four, those four games. They should have also beat the Saints early in the season if it wasn't for cooking, yep. kicking moves, right? So the Browns should be like one, two, you know, three, I don't know, maybe four, like, get wins more. Like, they should be a, right. a nine and seven. Uh, at the end of the season, you know what? These guys should have been a, I don't know, a 10 and six team, I think. I don't think they could have yeah. beat the Steelers twice. I don't think they could have beat the Chiefs. Um, the Texans, the Texans are much better than everybody thinks. Uh, the the Chargers too, you know, I expect the Chargers to win. I think that the Browns are should be a playoff team. They're playing really well. And Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Antonio Callaway, Jarvis Landry. This is 
you know, this isn't your father's Browns. These are like your grandfather's Browns when they were really, really good back in the day. So, you know, I'm really excited to see this team. I saw them play live in Cleveland as well. Um, the fans have a different energy about them. They believe in them. Finally, they have a savior. They, you know, right. they were really happy to see Hugh Jackson go. I talked to one season ticket holder. And he, he just says, like, just please hire someone that wants to lead this team, not, you know, not not some Harvard grad to manage it and not some feel-good coach. Like, you just get somebody that wants to be here to take it to victory. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a different energy, you know, a little bit of a rant there, but I think it's a different energy. And I think this Browns team, even on the X's and O's, is doing a really good job. And they're winning games. They're finally finding a way to stay competitive. And it's coming from Baker Mayfield and, and his ability to make people believe believe in him like he's on the field and the team is playing for him you know right and so so that is just oh it, it's you know they have a franchise quarterback finally which is something to say right for, for especially right. for the browns so yeah and so you mentioned something really important too is is they could easily be 10 to 6 and they're playing and they played all year outside of like you said there was a lot of those overtime games they had the chance to win it in overtime and i i, I i've been watching the browns too and you know like you said cinderella stories i love watching these cinderella stories and yeah. all of those games that they put into overtime they're they had a chance to win almost i I mean, someone can correct me on, you know, social media if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure in every single one of those games, they had a chance to win it with either a kick or some sort of like throw and and it just didn't go their way for whatever reason. So it's crazy to think that they are playing like a 10 and 6 team and and we're not we're not playing like a 6 and 7 team even the way that we played last week. So. They're playing like a 10 to 6 team and they're still underlooked. Yeah. They're still undermanned. And Absolutely. I think that's what they want. Yeah. They want to be the underdog because they're playing so well when they are the underdog. And it's 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 great to watch them play because that's why I'm so excited for this game. Honestly, I want to see this game not not just from obviously a Broncos fan, but as a, from a football fan standpoint. I think these are two teams that they really need to bring it together and need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But if we play like we just lost our our you know you know three of our top five players in the last two weeks, which we have, then it's going to be a different story, and I think it's going to be a bad day for us if we come out with that same energy that we came out last week. But absolutely, you know, it's 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 different because we will be at home. I think that that does play a huge difference into it. You know, if if. If they're not feeling well, if they're not feeling motivated, that crowd, our crowd, Mile High Stadium, will make sure that they get that motivation. We always play because of that. But, um, man, it's going to be scary watching this Baker Mayfield team and uh, it, coming in into it. Absolutely. You know, having seen them live, you'll see the energy is different. And I think you said it really well there. It's, it's scary to see because, you know, in the past, watching the Falcons play the Browns, like – you know, it's a guaranteed win. Anybody playing the Browns, guaranteed win. You know, it's like so easy. But now I was sitting in the stands and it's like, man, this, I'm scared. You know, the Browns right. could really win. And they did. They had a great game. You know, and it's, yeah, I, they're just, yeah, they're different, man. You're going to see, like, when you watch this game, it's there's a different energy that this guy has. And it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Not to, yeah. Uh, let, let, me, let me be clear here. I do prefer Patrick Mahomes to Baker Mayfield. Okay. You know, I don't, you do. I don't want to, you know, I'm a, I'm a one QB type of guy. However, right. I can't send you, I can't send you a poster of every quarterback that plays in the NFL. Well, you, I mean, you could, if you were so inclined to, but I'd only put up Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is what I'm saying. You know, I, you know, all jokes aside though, I think Baker Mayfield is, he's going to be in, in the hopes that he does not get hurt 
he's going to be another great general generational player, a good face of the league. He's going to be a great role model. He's going right. to bring the Cleveland Browns to a lot of playoff games and a lot of wins, if not a Super Bowl, which is, I think, something that you know is hard to say for every team in the league. Um, yeah. So it's it's really fun to watch. Um, unfortunately, the Broncos have to face this up and coming team this weekend. Um, but I mean, so be it. It's, it's still a winnable game for the Broncos. You know, don't get me wrong. This isn't a, in the bag. You know, for for the Browns, the Browns aren't perfect by any stretch. However, they're uh, they're on the up, and the Broncos just can't seem to find out if they want to be on the up or not. Yeah. So uh, according to ESPN, it's seventy-seven point one percent chance Denver wins this game. Only twenty-two point seven percent chance Cleveland wins this game for whatever reason. Wow. Um, really? you know, obviously from our standpoint, we're, we're a little bit frustrated over the last week's game, but I can't believe those numbers are so high for the Broncos. The, I me, me neither. I, th- I'd love to see the metrics they use to, to measure to, or to, to calculate that. Cause I mean, if they're going on like previous matchups or something like that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really difficult to predict the win of a game. Um, but you know, I, I think it'll be a competitive game. Nonetheless, I think the fact that it's on a Saturday night, it throws everybody off. Uh, so I think both teams should be able to to move the ball and to score some points and to, and to do the stuff. But it's going to depend if the Broncos want to show up because I think the Browns, oh, they're showing up. They're going to come and they're going to come play hard. They have a chance to even win their division, which is bizarre. You know, so it's like they have they have a lot to lose right now. But the Broncos are playing as though they just don't care what they lose. So it's that sort of mentality is going to be uh, detrimental to this game. Yeah. So while we're on the offensive side of this, I want to talk about coaches real quick. You know, this is my favorite subject. Greg Williams was named interim head coach after they got rid of Hugh Jackson, who he's their defensive coordinator. I'm sure he still caused the defensive plays on that end. He has turned this team around seemingly, but more than more than Greg Williams taking over. I want to talk about Freddie Kitchens. And and we talked a little bit about him on the last podcast because we were just talking NFL stuff. But Freddie Kitchens has been a running backs coach, quarterback coach through his entire 12 seasons in the NFL. He finally gets a shot to be an offensive coordinator. And man, is he making a point that he knows how to run offenses in the NFL. I mean, obviously, you know, they're not the greatest team in the history. Obviously, they have their own losses. But he has been playing. Uh, he's been coordinating so well this season um with his rookies and and letting them get in there and uh you know it's um it's really cool to see uh him stepping up what do you guys what do you think about freddie kitchens i think he's an excellent coach i think that given the the position he was put into you know and the sort of empowerment he got to from um from Greg Williams, because essentially in the span of a few, you know, a couple hours, we, we were told that, you know, Hugh Jackson was gone. That's, you know, a big offensive mind on the team. And then Todd Haley's gone, the offensive coordinator and Greg Williams, the head coach, like, you know, for him to give the responsibility of the offense to Freddie Kitchens was a great managerial decision on his part. I think he put the right person for that role. Um, he's a running back coach, which means that he's got a lot of experience working with offensive linemen. He's got a lot of experience working yep. on the side on the side of the offense that manages the clock, that ensures the pass game, or, or it, it supports the pass game being successful. And without a run game, you can't have a pass game, you know. So, so there's a lot that goes into into this offense, but I think Freddie Kitchens has the right philosophy. He's able to work with these young players and use their talents because the ta- the most talented part of the offense, other than Mayfield, has got to be the running backs, with uh, Chubb. Chubb and uh, and the Duke. 
He's yeah. uh, both those guys are really good uh, together, and I think that Freddie Kitchens is doing a great job, and he better remain the OC for um, for for the Browns next year. If not, he's going to get a job, no problem. Yeah, what I like about Freddie Kitchens is you said it right. Todd Haley gets fired, he gets promoted. That was a great decision. What I like about him is he sets up plays. Right, he's a running back coach, and he he uses the run to set up the pass. Yeah. And I I want to say there had to have been some sort of either miscommunication or disagreement between Todd Haley and everybody else on the team and all the fans. I mean, I'm talking to some of the guys I work with that are huge Cleveland Browns fans and they're saying, why have we not been using Nick Chubb? You know, we got him early. We need, we need to use him the way that we, we should. And yeah, so, you know, Freddie Kitchens comes in and starts using these running backs the way they should. They're having great years now and they're using the run to set up the pass. And I love that kind of offense. Right. And, uh, you know, it's opening guys up. He's opening guys like Jarvis Landry up for for passes when the corners are having to worry about helping out those defensive line and the different, you know, the front seven. You know, if anytime you have you know linebackers that need to worry more about the run than the pass, it opens up the middle a hundred percent. And I, I love that kind of offensive mind from Freddie Kitchens, and um, hopefully it doesn't mess with our very injured and depleted secondary on the defense. So, well, you know, it shouldn't too much because like. The, the Cleveland Browns the receiving core is, is still like it's not their best right now. Uh, Jarvis Landry is really, really good. But Jarvis Landry is really good at catching the ball sort of in the middle of the field. He's a good possession guy. He's, he's got a record for something like the most receiving yards and uh, receptions in a certain amount of years. And anyways, he's got amazing hands. He's uh, like almost a guaranteed catch. He's a fantastic player, really smart. Uh, you know, but other than that, there's no deep threat. You know, there's no sort of X factor on the offense, right? So, right. The, you know, the the what I've noticed is that their passing game is easy enough to contain um, because they're just not as d- developed. However, the the big opportunities they get come from establishing the run. Uh, I remember the game yeah. against the Falcons, like. Uh, Bridgewater basically ran like a play action off of this like you know wishbone for formation, and he ended up throwing it deep into the end zone after rolling out for uh, to the right side for a long time. He threw it deep to you know a, a receiver that was covered by like a backup safety right from the nickel. So it's like you get these athletic players matched up against some safeties, some linebackers, and then you run them deep on you know some play actions, and I think that's where their passing game is difficult to defend. However, if you stay disciplined to your uh, your responsibility i think it's easy to sort of overcome that um but you know it's still it's still dynamic but you're right the the strength of the offense is is really coming from nick chubb right now so hopefully you know that side of the broncos defense hasn't been too you know beat up uh to to stop the run but uh, the secondary is going to be uh they're going to be in for a big day for sure yeah, the secondary, you know, very beat up. We talked about it a little bit earlier about the injury report. Very, very beat up secondary. You know, we're playing third, four string guys, pulling up guys from the practice squad this week. And we're talking about, you know, basically the only people on the starting offense that are still on our starting offense where they originally were were the safeties. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Justin Simmons. It, it's, so it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting day to see how they how they play that. And uh, obviously with Derek Wolf going – Going through concussion protocol, we'd obviously hope he's back. But, you know, we obviously still have Peko. We still have a very solid front seven, no matter how you look at it. And our run game is mm-hmm. – our run-stop game still hasn't been terrible. But, yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of those games that if, if they can throw over us and using their tight ends, you know, just the way everybody else has. You know, Kittle had a field day with us and oh, almost broke the man. tight end receiving record. So, um, 
you, you know, we can't sit here and think they're not going to be looking at that and going, oh, well, now I know how to take care of business. Yeah. Just make sure we get it to our athletic tight end. So, and we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Obviously, they're sitting at the at the film room and they're looking at what, what they can do to try to beat us. But we're doing the same thing. We're looking at what their strengths are and how we can stop them. Because if we can stop that run and we can get a little bit of pressure on Baker Mayfield, I still think that we can go back to the old Broncos defense that we've been playing the three games before this last one right we shut down ben roethlisberger pretty well because we shut down his run game and he made him throw to you know guys that weren't open yeah and we you know won that turnover battle so i think that's where we're going to be going for this and uh, we just have to get back to that and we have to get that motivation back and not not walk through it but run through it we got to make sure that we're motivated to do everything we need to yeah you need to believe you can win this game too like vance joseph needs to be pulling every trick he's got out of the bag to try and save his job in the team season like you got to make the team believe they can win here. And then there's still a chance to make the playoffs. And, you know, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so let's let's flip the flip the switch real quick. Let's talk about the, um, the Cleveland Browns defense and our offense. So their defense – let's talk about their defense first before we talk about our offense. Their defense is a very, very young mm-hmm. and a very underrated defense. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I can say that fully, full-heartedly, and I don't think there's a person that would disagree with me. However – um, Denzel Ward is also going through their concussion protocol. He's their number one cornerback. Um, the great corner, very young guy. So um, such a good guy, uh, such a good corner. And, um, he's, he's injured. They also have a bunch of other guys that are injured, right? So we have, uh, Justin Burris has a shoulder injury. Terrence Mitchell has a, so their corners and everything, uh, and their defensive back situation is also hurt. So yeah. their injury list is actually longer than ours right now. However, we have more people on the IR. So it, it is a little bit more difficult to, to look at. But um, what, what do you think about this this young and talented uh, Cleveland Browns defense? Well, I think it's, I mean, it's good. Like this defense is really strong. Their coach too is doing a really good job of, um, of getting these players in the right position. Denzel Ward is playing lights out this year it's so cool to see a rookie corner come into the league and play really really well sustainably from week to week you know like and the greatest thing too is he doesn't gloat we never hear about this guy in the news you know he doesn't he doesn't seem to have his big mouth on him that he just has to go and 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 talk trash about everybody so like a jalen ramsey you know that stuff i was about to say i think you're mentioning somebody here oh yeah i'm I'm definitely mentioning jalen ramsey like it's you're you're the really good man like i think he is i think he's the best cornerback in the league but the more he talks yeah. about it, I feel the more he's going to sort of, you know, uh, fall off the radar. He's just relying too much on his mouth now, and it just doesn't – I that, that sort of attitude never really brings anything to team chemistry. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, as bad as they are right now, I think is speaking volumes to him bloating and stuff. So, you know, that's beside the point. But anyways, I think that um, – I think Denzel Ward's a fantastic uh, cornerback. Miles Garrett, everybody's talking about him as being like, Hall of Fame player, and he plays like when he's really, really good too. Larry Ogunjobi as a defensive tackle, big, strong body man, really, really good. He's really good against the run too. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba, another young pass rusher. Their linebacking core is a little bit suspect, I'd say. Christian uh, Kirksey is on IR. Joe Schobert's been playing really well though as uh, as a middle linebacker. Jamie Collins is someone that you know it's it's sort of a Patriots reject, um, and the the Browns traded for him, so he's you know. He is what he is. He's, he's a good linebacker, but I don't think he's as good as he was a few years ago. Jabril Peppers, though, um, I think he's one of the weaker players on this defense. He's athletic. Uh, he's, he's versatile to a certain extent. 
Um, however, I think that he's an area of weakness for the Browns defense such that uh, the Broncos can really take advantage of it. Him being a strong safety, he'll be playing mostly like his run support. He'll be coming in, uh, in the yep. slide. He, you know, he'll do some deep looks and he'll go man to man, of course, but he's more of a hybrid player. And, um, I think, I think the Broncos can take advantage of, of him, but across the board, like you said, it's a very good young defense. Um, really well coached too. Greg Williams is, is doing a great job with his unit. They've had really good games. Um, they've also had blowups, so you know, let's let's not yeah. forget losing, you know, or getting forty-five points scored on by the Raiders, thirty-eight by the Chargers, uh, thirty-seven by the Chiefs. Uh, to, you know, the 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 Texans put up twenty-nine. You know, it's so they they've had some games where they were scored on quite a bit. Um, but overall, yeah. I think they're a really solid unit, and they're they're going to be really good for the years to come. Yeah, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I kind of want to talk about that. So they're not. They do not have the greatest record against the AFC West, and I think that's going well for us. You know, they, yeah. they played terribly against the Raiders. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs ran a muck on them, um, and uh, Some of the Chargers, the Chargers yeah. obviously did very well. So we have that going for us. They're just not used to playing that quality of defense and defensive line that the these teams that we have have, other than the, the Raiders who got rid of them. But, um, you know, it's it's – it's kind of switching my mindset a little bit because obviously we've been pretty dark on the Broncos. Uh, we have the team. We have the team to be able to just clean out the Cleveland Browns and get this 77% chance winning chance like that ESPN's given us um, and, and run with it because we have the talent. And even with the injuries, we still have the talent to be able to do that. However, it comes down to how much motivation do the Broncos have yeah. and uh, who's leading that motivation, who's running that. So it, obviously we'll see. We talked about that, but um, I'm going to talk about a little bit about the Broncos offense. I think the Broncos offense has, has a chance to, to really make a name for themselves and show that, you know, last week was whatever. And, uh, I don't know who I was talking to about this, but the Broncos offense looked like they were getting ready to film space jam three, the gridiron, and the aliens came down and took all the talented players talents from them and went off. to somewhere else. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I've never seen case Keenum play so bad. Oh yeah. I've never seen, seen the route running be so slow. I've never seen, you know, the defensive line, not really rush the quarterback, but then kind of back off at the last minute. Yeah. And I, I, it, it was weird. Like it was looked like we were trying to play against a, a rolling quarterback and a guy that was not a rolling quarterback you know yeah. i mean it was it was a very difficult thing to watch and it looked like our talent was just gone it looked like their motivation their their entire everything that they had was gone so um obviously week to week let's hopefully next week we can bring it out and you know some things fall in our favor and and this the other thing too is if if we win this game because it is on a saturday then we get to watch to see the dominoes fall on where our playoff hopes and chances lie uh come sunday as well so you know we'll obviously have to play that for the by heart but We'll we'll see how this Broncos offense because man I I still like our offense I still like our wide receiving core that we picked up this year from the rookie class I still like our running backs you know Philip Lindsay is great and I think that um, even if he does get stopped which is what looked like happened against San Francisco their whole game plan was to stop Philip Lindsay and we couldn't figure out what we were doing wrong um, if they do stop Philip Lindsay I have faith that our our offensive um, receiving core can make plays when we need them to if Case Kingdom can get him the ball but. That's all. That's all to be seen uh, against a very, very talented Cleveland Browns defense. Let's uh, let's recant a bit on the talent there. Like I do believe they're a really good unit. However, statistically, they're uh, not as got not as good. Excuse me. Um, they're currently ranked number thirty first against the pass. They allow two hundred seventy seven point nine per game. So let's call it two hundred eighty yards a game. Then against the rush, 
they also allow about 133 yards, so number 28 against the rush too. Um, with that being said, though, they've also put up really good games. You know, that's what I mean. They're very inconsistent. Hopefully, we'll get them on a down week. They still they're a unit that has a lot of potential that has that has yet to really gel um, as a, as a top unit. I don't think they really believe in themselves quite yet. They're at their full potential, and they need a, a good middle linebacker in there too. But overall, like they are a dangerous unit, and they they do make some noise. Right. Right, and and uh, another stat too. They're they're only one in a five away from home. Yeah, they've lost five games, five of their six games away from home. So we obviously have that going for us. We're three and three at home, which is still not terrible, seeing as we only have won six games in general. We're we're three and three at home, three and three on the road, or three and four on the road. Let's uh let's talk about our predictions. So we we we've obviously I know I've been very vocally angry uh, this <laughs> this yeah, podcast. Okay. And, um, uh, I've been ranting a little bit, but uh, I, let's hear your prediction before we get into mine and the rest of the Orange Weekly staff about uh, what we think about this game. So what you got? Well, I'm going to have to go with the Browns winning on this one. Um, I, I just think right now Baker Mayfield's electrifying and he's got an it factor that uh, takes them over, you know, over the edge and, and beats the Broncos. Um, I don't think it'll be a very big win uh, i think that at the end of the day it's going to come down to about 23 to 17 for the browns but i think it's going to be um, a more of a defensive tightly contested thing uh, throughout and then it's going to come down to really you know the, the last drive to see who wins it but i think that the browns do come home at 23 17 ouch yeah ouch yeah i know i mean after mm-hmm. the way we played last week i can't i can't be mad at you after the way we played last oh, week. I, I, uh, however I am um, legally bound to not vote against the Broncos here. So, signed by contract. Um, no, yeah, signed by contract. No, so uh, I, I do think that we could beat the Cleveland Browns, and, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be a, mo- a much more even game than what you know the experts are saying. You know, we're obviously favored pretty well, but um, I would not be surprised to see this game be another overtime game for the Cleveland Browns. The mm-hmm. way that both coaches are very offensively, they're both very much time control ball control type of offenses try to keep the ball for as much time as possible score when you can and uh and be very methodical in the way that you go about things so the way that both of these offenses go i would not be surprised to see it just be a really low scoring very low uh energy it might be one of the most boring games of the season um game <laughs> that, that uh but please that watch I think it all, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> but that, but I think that it's it's going to be either a missed field goal or some a little mistake is going to make the change and, and be the change in this game. Yeah. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a very probably a low scoring game. I'll probably say uh, you know seventeen to fourteen will be the final score, mm. and if if that's what it needs, it would probably go into overtime. But if not, it'll be a last minute field goal from somebody uh, from the Broncos, obviously. Of course, I'm of course. the Broncos on this one, yeah, yeah. Please watch this so, game. Yeah, it won't be boring, I swear. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. Well, they have to. It's the only game on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> you have to watch. Yeah, you have to, yeah. Every channel will have this on. You have to look for it. Um, <laughs> okay, so with that being said, with that being said, let's take it over to our Orange Weekly staff. I know we've talked enough. Let's uh, let's see what they have to say about this upcoming game, and hopefully they're a lot less cynical than we have been. Uh, take it away, guys. What's up, Broncos country? Tanner and Jeff here, hosts of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. The Broncos coming off a really disappointing 20-14 to 14 loss against San Francisco, probably taking them out of the playoff race. But a Saturday night game at home against the Brownies, Baker Mayfield, the blue jerseys are out. Something in my gut tells me the Broncos get it done 28-27. 
I love it. I, I think the Broncos uh, find a way to pull this game out as well. It's a big home game, uh, second to last home game of the year. I like the Broncos in this 20-17 to 17 in a close one. What's going on, Broncos country? This is David from the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show. And my No BS take is, man, tough loss against San Francisco this last week. Doesn't get any easier. Cleveland has a team for what seems like the first time in centuries. Uh, and they're coming into town this week. It's going to be a rough matchup for us. Uh, this team did not look good in any phase of the game last week against San Francisco, and until they start to look drastically better, they're not going to have a whole lot of faith from me, I'm afraid. So I'm picking Cleveland 25-20. to 20. Hope I'm wrong, but as always, go Broncos. Hey guys, Kev Dan here, and in my score prediction this week, man, am I banking on some mile-high magic. Uh, look, Baker Mayfield has been fantastic the last uh, five, six weeks since they let him loose. Uh, we're not out of the playoffs yet. I expect Case Keenum to go out there and actually play like a quarterback who's trying to win versus a quarterback who's trying not to lose. So with those two things, I know we're banged up. It's going to be a close game, uh, but I believe that we're going to be able to make something happen. We're going to be able to get to Baker Mayfield and get some sacks. So at the end of the day, I'm going to call this a Broncos win in mile high to keep our playoff hopes alive. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's going to be interesting for sure. But my score prediction is Broncos 24, Browns 21. And with that being said, guys, go Broncos. Don't lose faith. And uh, let's see what we can get done on uh, Saturday night. Take care, guys. All right. Thank you to the Orange Weekly staff. We really appreciate all those inputs. And uh, hopefully we can, we can turn this game into a win, a much, much needed win if we want to even have smallest hopes of staying into the playoff hunt. Um, but with that being said, as always, after our predictions and the Orange Weekly predictions, we get to talk a little bit about what's going on in the rest of the NFL. Uh, Matt, Matt, what do you want to talk about today? Okay, well, I've got actually uh, an interesting question I want to ask you. Um, I think okay. it'd be kind of a cool topic here to just focus on for uh, for this week because um, okay. it, it is looking ahead in the future. And I think it's um, when we look ahead is when we make uh, most of our right decisions and it's when we make most of our mistakes. So it gives us more things to talk about. Who would have thought? Right. So um, right now there's been one, two, three, four, five teams eliminated from the playoffs. Sorry, six teams mathematically eliminated. No way they can make. Them, okay. These teams are okay. the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, yep. Arizona Cardinals, the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Buffalo Bills, okay? Okay. So keeping all these teams in mind, which team do you think has the best chance of making the playoffs next year out of those ones already eliminated right now? Out of those teams already eliminated, best chance of making the playoffs next year? I want to say the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say they were you know, a team last year who were playing very well together and something something was missed this year. And I think that, that something that was missed was a quarterback. I think they overplayed, overpaid Blake Bortles. I think that he's not the guy for Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And I think that they are going to realize that in this offseason. Mm -hmm. They're going to try to go get a better offense because their defense is still very strong. And they if if they're not on the field 100% of the time, which is something that the Broncos fans know very well, then they can be a very good defense. But they need they need an offensive leader. They need a better quarterback. And I think that's what they're going to get with this high pick. They're going to get in this draft. This, this is not a very quarterback heavy draft though. Unfortunately it's, you know, I think there's some good players there too. Um, and looking at the rest of the teams that are at the bottom here, I mean, San Francisco has Jimmy G. Uh, right. Oakland still has Derek Carr. Now I think they're going to keep Derek Carr for as long as they're in Oakland, but when yeah. they move 
to Las Vegas, I think that's when they make a quarterback change. Um, Arizona got uh, Josh Rosen. Uh, the New York Jets, they have Sam Darnold. And, yep. you know, then after that, right, so the other bad teams, Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan, Buffalo Bills, they have Josh Allen. The Detroit Lions, they still have Matt Stafford. And then you get to the New York Giants, who are at 5-8 and eight right now. They need a quarterback because Eli Manning is, well, just, you know, he's he needs, he needs to retire. And so <laughs> when you look at all these teams – I mean, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only ones that would be looking for a quarterback. And even with the rest of the league, like, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to keep Andy Dalton. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their team that needs a quarterback. Browns have their QB. Packers have their QBs. Denver needs a QB. Here's another opportunity, right? Washington, man, like, if Alex Smith, you know, it, it, that's a really sad story. They might need a QB, too. But then, you know, right. Eagles, Panthers, Vikings, like, every other team – has a quarterback that you know they're established with and they're going to run with for a couple of years, except yeah. for the Jaguars, the Giants, the Bengals, Bucks, Denver. So, you know, I think you're right. I think the the Jaguars are the the best chance team to make the playoffs next year. Um, I think they do get a a high pick and I think they do take a quarterback at that high pick because the market's going to be there. They're they're going to be able to choose which quarterback they want because I don't think a lot of teams are going to be looking for one at that point. Nope. And unlike last year, last couple of years in the draft too, there's not going to be a lot of people trying to trade up to pick yeah. up a top corner because there's Absolutely. not going to be top quarterbacks available. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting one. Um, okay. So then just to flip that question around for you. Okay. When okay. we're looking at uh, the, the playoff potential teams right now. Okay. So actually, no, let's just look at the, the teams that, that just clinched the playoffs. Okay. Um, okay. Make it even simpler. So between the Kansas City Chiefs, the New Orleans Saints, and the Los Angeles Rams. Do you think any of these three teams will miss the playoffs next year? Do you think this is sort of like a one-and-done year for these guys, or do you think they're actually going to be good for a long time? I think the New Orleans Saints will mm. miss the playoffs next year because oh, I think the New Orleans Saints are going to win the Super Bowl, Ooh. and I think the New Orleans Saints quarterback and coach are going to retire. Or, sorry, one or the other. I don't, I don't think I don't think Sean Payton's going to retire, but I think that I definitely think that Drew Brees is going to retire at the end of this year. Um, and Sean Payton is on the edge. You know, Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees have been together for so many years. Uh, it'd be very difficult to continue that, but I think he's going to stay there. It's difficult to lose a franchise quarterback like Drew Brees, and I think that it's if if they win the Super Bowl, which I fully believe they can and will. Yeah, they're they're going to fall off next year because. Don't get me wrong, while they have an okay defense, their entire team relies on the back of Drew Brees, and if he retires, it's done. And that's yeah. that's why I think they won't make the playoffs next year. Interesting. Okay, that's a good call. Um, I'm on your side when I say that uh, if the Saints win the Super Bowl, I think Brees retires. I don't think Sean Payton retires. I think that Sean Payton still has a while um, that he's going to stay to coach. However... Yeah. You know, I still think they have a good chance of making the, the playoffs again next year. I think all three of these teams are going to make the playoffs next year because they just have that sustainability. Now, the New Orleans Saints, they, they, they've been lucky to have Drew Brees since, was it 2000? When was Katrina? Was it 2006? Or yes. Katrina? Yeah, so for, you know, 12 years now, they've had Drew Brees. They've won a Super Bowl. This guy is a certified Hall of Famer. And, right. you know, it's going to be a hard transition away from it. But they have Teddy Bridgewater right now as their backup. And Teddy Bridgewater in the preseason this year was looking real good. Okay. Yeah. And to have an entire year to sit behind uh, Drew Brees, I remember reading an interview about him after that happened, and he was excited for it. So I think that, you know, he's really embracing the fact that he's learning from Brees. And I think the Teddy Bridgewater we see come out of 
um, you know, of Drew Brees's retirement, I think is going to be a very, very good quarterback. And I think that uh, they're going to be very competitive for years to come. So, so I, yeah. We don't disagree often, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this. Okay. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater sitting under Drew Brees is going to change who Teddy Bridgewater is as a quarterback. Those are two completely different types of quarterbacks. And I think the reason for bringing Teddy Bridgewater in was to give a different look for Sean Payton in case they needed a different look in a running quarterback and a mobile guy. I but don't he's not think a mobile guy, though. Teddy Bridgewater is... is not a mobile quarterback. He's an in-the-pocket passer. He's oh, athletic, no. but he's not a mobile quarterback like we're seeing with the Russell Wilsons and the uh, Lamar Jackson. This guy is primarily a pocket passer, a very accurate one at that. He can be a pocket pass. He's not a pocket passer. He's not he his strength. That's yeah, not his strength. Passing's a strength, not running. He's not a mobile quarterback. I know. I don't say running is his strength. I think that his play action and his throwing on the run is his strength. He's got. He's very athletic and he's very. He has that ability, but he's not. He's not a a Drew Brees, uh, Peyton Manning. A, 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 I mean, even even um, Kirk Cousins. Like he's not. He's not any of those guys. He is a. He is a. He needs to be on the run. He needs to be mobile because he can't sit in the pocket because he starts. He he can't feel his presence in the pocket the way other quarterbacks can, and that's why I think that they've been using him so much on the rollouts in the past. And I mean, look, watch, watch him in college. He was a rollout quarterback. I don't think, I don't think he's a pocket passer in this league. You don't think so? Huh? I, don't I don't think he's had enough time to um, really establish himself as a pocket passer because he's lost like you know two years to this injury but however right. when he was playing though you know he put up 3200 yards in 2015 uh, 14 touchdowns uh you know on a very mediocre minnesota vikings team we'll have right. it too um but you know that year he rushed for 192 yards on 44 attempts you know three touchdowns so you know he's he's an athletic guy so yes use him on the rollouts and use him on these play actions and and use, use his athleticism but drew Brees is also a very athletic guy and the oh, thing no, that Drew Brees and, and Teddy Bridgewater have in common is they, they're athletic quarterbacks. Bridgewater in his first two years, he still passed for 65% completion rate, which is pretty good on a very mediocre Minnesota Vikings team back then. Right. You know, 65% is right on a professional average, I'd say. So, you know, a few years of, you know, he hasn't been physically playing the game for a while, but that means his body is, rel- you know, it's, it's still fresh, uh, unfortunately, other than his, uh, his knee injury. But mentally, I think he's a much different player than he was before. And I think that he has a lot of upside. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this next year after the Saints win the Super Bowl and Bridgewater starting and see what you think. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that he's a decent quarterback. Decent. I'm going to say that word. And I think that he is an athletic guy. He's very athletic. He definitely deserves to be in the NFL. I do not think he has the the leadership and the ability to stay in the pocket that okay. they need and that they've been doing for the past what do we say 12 years under yeah. drew Brees to bring this team back to the playoffs next year drew Brees okay. is another level of quarterback that you just can't replace overnight and this is something that the denver broncos have seen like right we sat there and we we had peyton manning and we lose osweiler because we were like oh he's gonna be the guy and obviously look how osweiler turned out absolutely and he 100%. sat under peyton manning for three years absolutely so, that's but osweiler is not a guy who was drafted in this league to start right away either you know what I mean? Bridgewater right. started his first two years and he played pretty well, better than Osweiler has ever played. Right? Yeah. And let's not I forget the that. last year with Peyton Manning. He was not a very good quarterback in his last year. He just managed the team the best he could. 
but they relied on the run. They relied on, you and know, a defense. lot of different trickery and the defense, right? This is like, it, it's, it's hard to compare because like Peyton Manning at his last couple of years in the NFL is a lot different than Drew Brees right now. Drew Brees is still Drew Brees, but Peyton right. Manning took a severe downturn his last year, right? It was injuries. It was age. It was worn down. You know, I'm not at all saying he, he's a bad quarterback. He's one of the best ever. So, it's just a matter of over time, your body, you know, deteriorates, your talent goes away. But, you know, so far it, it hasn't happened to, um, to to this guy. So I think that there's a lot of potential for, uh, for Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to surprise you. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully he does surprise me, but I don't think he's going to surprise me all the way to the playoffs. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Yeah. All right. So... With that being said, I think we can go ahead and wrap up our podcast here. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Make sure you guys go check us out on all of your social media sites. Make sure you guys are checking us out on all of your podcast listening sites. Make sure you guys are sharing us with your friends and family. Don't keep our podcast, our amazing podcast, to yourself. <laughs> Make sure you guys are sharing it with other people. And and as always, we really appreciate you guys listening. For those of you that are uh, Matt, any parting words for our Broncos fans out there going into a game that we are very disappointed about? Yes. Um, sports always comes with wins and losses, good seasons and bad seasons. Um, Broncos right now, they're having a bad season. Last year they had a bad season, but let's not forget that not long ago they won the Super Bowl and not long before that they were in the Super Bowl and not long before that they were having bad seasons. That's, you know, yeah. that's something you said weeks ago, but... I reiterate it. Just because it's not going well right now doesn't mean it's it's any reason to stop believing or stop, you know, participating as a spectator and uh, and just being in tune with your team because it's you know it's the nature of sports. So enjoy the ride with what it comes with. The emotional roller coaster is something we can't find anywhere else in the world except for sports, and we just really have to enjoy it. So you know, watch the Bron- Broncos versus the Browns. Watch a good football game and just you know hang tight to your team because. There's a lot of potential for these Broncos. They just need the right leadership, and I feel it's coming soon. Right, and there's a lot of off-seasons to talk about once we get there. But before we get there, we're still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. We still have a chance. We do. As slim as that chance is. But, hey, thanks again for joining me, Matt. We always always have fun on this podcast and look forward to doing it every single week. And I hope you guys look forward to listening to it every single week. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and take it out with a... Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange, man.